Hello, Peter. Hello, Jennifer. I am so excited for today's episode because it feels like a thought that started for me 20 years ago and I can finally oh. articulate. <laughs> 20 years ago. All right. Yes. I had hypothesized that there was a psychological phenomenon. And each time I would talk about it in my classes, I would say, and hopefully someday someone's going to coin a phrase or do a study and my hypothesis will prove to be true. Lo and behold, I was listening to a podcast the other day and a psychologist talked about this phenomenon and gave it a name and the name is drum roll, drum roll, drum roll, roll. behavior contagion. Behavior contagion. All right. This is the long and the short of it. Behavior contagion. Tell me more. Okay. First, I'm going to tell you why I hypothesized that such a thing existed. So, in my world, and I used to do this a whole lot more, I sit in audition rooms, or I sit mm -hmm. in classrooms, or I sit in rehearsal rooms. Well, the classrooms I still do a lot. And whoever ends up getting up first and is seen by the other people, it is almost a certainty that the second person who gets up will go and stand in the exact same place that that person stood and say their introductory phrases in the same order as the mm. first person. And then because the second person did it, the third person, and so on and so on and so on. And I had sort of hypothesized that when you are in a space and you're not exactly sure what the rules are, you assume the first person was right. Wow. Yes. And I see this in all sorts of other spaces, but it's very stark in the spaces I'm in. And it turns out this phenomenon is called behavior contagion. This is the phenomenon where you do something because you saw someone else do it first. I heard this on the podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, and uh, I feel victorious. Victorious. I thought this might have been like a, I've finally come up with a new word for this thing I've been thinking about for 20 years, but this is a, someone else has coined it. All right. So I, oh God, I could think of so many examples where I've seen this in action. The thing I've thought of first when it comes to behavior contagion is if I'm running a workshop for a new group of people who I haven't met before, and often it might be from leaders all across a different business, they might not know each other. And so I'd want to just get them to all introduce themselves. Often I deliberately say, I don't need your job title. Just tell me like who you are, where you are, and what's something you love to do outside of work. Mm -hmm. And it's wild how many times the first person goes, so I'm the lead sales manager of blah, 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 blah. And they, like, they go straight into their job description, even though I said, I don't want that. And then every single person does the same thing. That's right. Behavior contagion. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Interesting. Interesting. I'm sure that there are plenty of instances where behavior contagion is a wonderful thing. Like mm. if you are mm. raising money for a cause and the first person gives a donation and then other people are like, oh, I guess that's what we do here. Or, you know, yeah, there've got to be good 
uses for this. But what I'm mostly interested on focusing on is how we lose our own individuality and sense of self and how we would actually behave in favor of how someone else would behave. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I went to the positive too. Like how might we leverage this for good and model the behaviors we seek to see in others? But let's start with your thread and we can get to mine later if you like. Yeah, I think we should do both. Okay, so I have a client who shared with me that she was at a dance audition. She's an amazing dancer. And as soon as I tell the story, if she's listening, she'll know who she is. And this was a tap dance audition, okay? So the choreographer lined up the dancers and said, let's just go down the line and everyone show me a time step. So it started at one end of the line and the first person did what's known as a triple time step. It's a pretty standard tap move. So, of course, the second person then did a triple time step and the third person and the fourth, so on and so forth down the line until maybe they're, I don't know, 15, 20 people down the line. And then it gets to my client's friend who steps out and does a completely intricate, complicated, only an expert could possibly execute this kind of time step. Yeah. My client who had done her time steps earlier was like, oh my gosh, of course. He didn't say what kind of time step he wanted. He just said, do a time step. But because everyone else before me did a triple time step, I just assumed that's what I was supposed to do. And then here's this person who interpreted the instructions in her own way and therefore stood out as the expert she is. Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm. Okay, I love this. So she interpreted the instructions differently. So my mind then goes to, is that a prompt for us to like listen out for the instructions we're given and then maybe intentionally seek to respond in a way that is in alignment with it, but it's like slightly different to what others are doing. Is that what you're suggesting? Yeah. I mean, one of the things I talk about a lot in my shift class is this concept of who wrote the rules. Yeah, And so in this case, it's the rules of engagement of this particular dance audition or the rules of engagement when making an introduction at a conference. Who wrote the rules? And if you don't know the answer, maybe you don't have to follow them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I'm catching what you're throwing and I love it. I've been running a bunch of workshops for a bunch of very senior leaders in a very big organization here in Australia. And one of the things we've been talking about is as a leader, how do I not only empower my team, but also help them feel empowered to communicate and influence other parts of the business. And it's been so much fun and so fascinating to hear everyone's different approaches to this. But one of the things that comes up time and time again, or that I try and tease out is, and this is especially relevant in the corporate world, all across the world, that people start with a slide deck (laughs) and think, how am I going to craft my message with this slide deck? Right. Because I sit in meetings, I being the leader in this corporate, and I stare at slide decks all day, every day. That the behavioral contagion in a company is so often you start with a slide, you share screen because we're all working hybrid or remote, and then you step through the thing you want to communicate. Mm-hmm. And what I've had them do and what we've been talking about is like using a lot of the things that you and I have spoken about. Of, okay, let's get really clear on who the message is for and what you're trying to do, what it's for. Also, like, have you thought about some stories you might tell that might help articulate the thing you're trying to get enrollment in or on or the thing you're trying to influence? And I get them to kind of play around with these ideas. And then 
sort of at some point the penny drops where someone's like, we just worked out how to do this without a slide deck. Like you can, <laughs> you can influence people in so many other ways or you can communicate a message in so many other ways that don't require a 45-page slide deck. And yet, it's so funny, I've never thought of this as a behavioral contagion. But there's like a macro behavioral contagion in corporate yes. America, corporate Australia, corporate everywhere, where the way we do things around here is we pull up a slide deck. But to your point, who wrote those? Well, no one ever said that was the case. It's just kind of a thing that started, especially during the pandemic. Yes. I mean, slide decks are a great tool when they're a necessary tool. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it reminds me of, you introduced me to the idea of content dictates form, right? Like, right. In this example, I feel like people start with the form. People start with the slide deck and then try and retrofit the content into it. Right. Oh my gosh. Slide decks are the ultimate <laughs> form of corporate behavior contagion. Yeah. I mean, corporate behavior contagion. My goodness, we could go down a rabbit hole of that, all sorts <laughs> of different other ones. But we can, we can circle back on that later. So I'm about to embark on my summer coaching program, the Reboot, which oh, I love it so much. It's so fun. We love the Reboot. Right at the top of the program, I asked to see everybody's marketing materials, which for actors, mm -hmm. the industry standard or resume, headshot, website, socials, right? And mm -hmm. I will question people as to what determined the format of their marketing materials. And most of the time, they don't have a good answer. They'll say something like, well, that's how I see other people doing it. So another example yeah. of behavior contagion, which yeah. like you don't want such a disruptive resume that people don't know how to read it, but you also don't want so conformed a resume that people can't tell who you are. Yeah. Yeah. This was actually a question I had for you or like a thread I was thinking of pulling, which is I feel like sometimes behavioral contagion can serve us because maybe it speaks to, say, genre yeah. where- you know, I think Seth Godin has talked about the best place to put a book on marketing is next to all the other books on marketing because that's where people go when they're looking for books on marketing. So, like, you want it to fit into some sort of behavioral contagion, i.e. it needs to kind of fit into a certain series of parameters. However, you then want to, I guess, staying with the Seth Godinism, you then want it to still have an element of, like, being a purple cow, being remarkable, being different within that kind of form. So, I feel like there's a there's, like, a tension there between it needs to sort of follow some parameters that are perhaps behavioral contagions, but then like be remarkable or different within those parameters. Yes. And this is also making me want to step us both back and focus on the behavior part, not the product part, mm. that it's the behavior that <laughs> we end up adopting that is someone else's behavior. Yes as opposed to an aesthetic or a style. Yeah, that's a great point. So you had mentioned wanting to circle back on yeah. the positives, and I would love to hear you brain dump some ideas. Yeah, this is me coming to this idea from obviously my bias, my perspective, which is I do a bunch of work with very senior leaders or just leaders across organizations. And one of the things I often talk to them about is how are you modeling the behaviors that you're seeking to cultivate within your teams? Mm. So if you want your team to be able to solve problems independently and be creative in the way they're coming up with ideas and solutions, well, how are you modeling that for them? Yeah. Are you coaching them? Are you asking them questions? Are you taking a humble approach where you're saying, I don't need to always be the one with the ideas. I'm really curious what you think. And so 
I'm realizing that that's perhaps me trying to help them leverage behavioral contagion for good, which is the way that we show up as leaders literally impacts the way that the other people in our teams or our peers or our bosses then interact with us or interact with one another. So can we be mindful of behavioral contagion from a positive perspective Mm -hmm. and model the behaviors up front that we're seeking to cultivate? And, you know, I think about I ran an offsite for a C-suite last year for a, a big health group here in Australia and this brilliant chief experience officer, we talked about it prior, wanted to do this kind of introductory exercise where you where he really modeled vulnerability. So it was like introducing yourself, but from a totally different approach than most people introduce themselves. Mm. It was a very vulnerable approach. And he went first and modeled vulnerability by sharing some of the struggles he's had throughout his life and his career and that has shaped him as the person he is now. And the behavioral contagion was all of a sudden the CEO went next and did the same thing and then the chief marketing officer went Mm. next. And so you've got this like unbelievably vulnerable conversation, which was amazing and actually ended up being many people's highlight of the day because he modeled it first. So I'm like, let's harness this for good. Yes, I love this so much because it is a human tendency. And unless we are able to contact every human on the planet and say, guess what? You suffer from behavior contagion. If we know that it exists, how can we look to harness it or leverage it for good, for positivity, for community, Mm -hmm. for collaboration, for creativity, for leadership? Exactly. Exactly, exactly. Also, if we had every single human on the planet listening to this podcast, that would be that'd be wild. Wouldn't that be so great? <laughs> hey, so fun. if one of our listeners right now shares this episode, then another listener will follow and another listener will follow. It's true. Create the behavioral contagion of taking a screenshot and sharing this episode with a friend. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so behavioral contagion is a phenomenon that you've discovered and been thinking about for 20 years. And we've thought about and I guess unpacked a little bit how we can be mindful of this and seek to bucket where that's relevant. But then also if we're a leader, which many people listening to this podcast, how do we leverage such a phenomenon so that we can model the behaviors we're seeking to create? And I'm sorry to keep bringing it back around to the negative aspects of behavior contagion. But I want to be more mindful of and I want to help other people be more mindful of when they are making themselves small or Mm. invisible or Mm. unseen because Mm. they are behaving like someone else rather than behaving like themselves, which I think ultimately is actually another form of not leveraging behavior contagion for good, but leveraging your knowledge of behavior contagion for good. Celsi, we spun it back around to the positive. I appreciate that. The awareness of the contagion itself enables us to then harness it for good. Right. And that is the long and the short of it.